Resveratrol, an antioxidant found in red wine. Does it have a benefit on longevity, successful aging, heart health, diabetes, Alzheimer's, cancer, and inflammation? Well, in humans, the answer is sometimes yes and sometimes no. Tune in to find out which is yes and which is no, only here on the People Scientist Podcast. Listening to the People Scientist, the podcast dedicated to helping us optimize our health with the latest scientific findings on neuroscience, physiology, and nutrition. I, your host, Dr. Stephanie Caligiuri, a nutritionist, physiologist, and neuroscientist, will be here with you every single week, bringing us information to ignite our thinking to help us be one step closer to the healthiest we can be. Hello, my People Scientist Army, and welcome back to the People Scientist Podcast, where every week I arm us with some scientific evidence so we can all lead the healthy lives that we want to live. Today is a very special day because guess what? It is the one year anniversary of the People Scientist Podcast. One whole year. I can't believe it. Today is episode 49, so I have done 49 episodes in one year. I am so happy and grateful for the ability to have shared 49 episodes worth of information to all of you. And for all of you who have been listening since day one, I'm very grateful to you for being a part of the People Scientist Army. And I'm looking forward to another full year of sharing exciting science with all of you. So let's continue on with that. Today for episode 49, I decided to dive into the topic of resveratrol. Now, resveratrol has been a popularly studied molecule, I would say, for about the last 15 years, because I remember many people in my department during grad school studied this molecule, and in particular, its ability to potentially benefit against heart failure. Now, resveratrol has gained some attention lately in other podcasts in regard to its benefits in longevity, and perhaps in its ability to extend lifespan. So what is the data on resveratrol and what conclusions can we make? So as we always do, let's start off with some core takeaways. Resveratrol is found primarily in grapes and red wine. Supplements are available that contain just the resveratrol in pure form in higher concentrations. Higher doses beyond what is found in food has been studied for its effects on health. Now, after looking at all the data together, I think the verdict is still out on resveratrol and whether or not we should add it to our daily routine. Now, other scientists have painted resveratrol in a very positive light. And when we look at the animal data, I would say, yes, resveratrol looks incredibly promising in promoting health and lifespan. However, when I look at the clinical data in humans, I would say for every one study that shows benefit, another study shows no benefit. And it is really hard to determine and pinpoint why some studies show benefit and others don't. Unfortunately, this is all too common, where a treatment shows incredible promise in animals, then is less promising in humans. However, when looking at the clinical data, it appears that resveratrol may increase the expression of a protein involved in longevity, 
and may increase mitochondrial number in the muscle, which are important factors in health and lifespan. However, this was shown in a couple studies, but not in others. It wasn't replicated in some others. Resveratrol appears to have a benefit on blood vessel health and blood vessel function in different populations. Resveratrol appears to lower blood pressure in those with diabetes and may reduce levels of inflammation and oxidative stress, particularly in those who smoke cigarettes. However, in the context of diabetes, metabolism, Alzheimer's, measures of depression, inflammation in non-smokers, or on blood cholesterol levels, the data in humans is conflicting and less clear. Now, let's jump into the details. What is resveratrol? Well, resveratrol is classified as a polyphenol with antioxidant properties, and it can be found in grapes, peanuts, red wine, and berries. It is thought that resveratrol is produced by plants in response to stress, as elevated levels are found in plants that are injured, infected, or treated with ultraviolet light. Resveratrol seems to be produced in order to generate resistance to microbial and fungal infections of the plant. Now, the levels of resveratrol in red wine range from 1.93 to 14.3 milligrams per liter of red wine. So the levels in red wine are much lower than what clinical trials and animal studies are using. So purified trans-resveratrol specifically is used in these studies. Now, resveratrol became known and identified when it popped up in a high-throughput screening experiment. So the scientists were screening thousands of molecules against a certain target involved in longevity and successful aging called CERT-1. Now we know that CERT-1 is important for health, longevity, and increased lifespan. We see this gene increase with calorie restriction and fasting. This is one proposed way or mechanism as to how intermittent fasting or time-restricted eating may have benefits on lifespan and longevity. It just so happened that resveratrol seemed to have a positive effect on CERT-1 in this screening assay, and therefore has been studied for its role in longevity and successful aging. Now, Bora in the Journal of Biological Chemistry, for example, showed that resveratrol can have a positive impact on this important gene. However, considering that resveratrol is very rapidly metabolized to other molecules in the body, People have questioned if resveratrol can actually have a positive impact on CERT-1 in the human body. So as a result, animal models have been used to test the effects of resveratrol on lifespan. A lot of animal studies, mostly in mice and rats, have been conducted where resveratrol was added to their diet, and the health of the rodents was monitored, for example. Now, typical models for studying longevity include flies and worms, actually. Now, some studies show benefit with resveratrol on lifespan, and others show no benefit in these models. Now, while worms and killifish, for example, seemed very responsive to resveratrol, resveratrol many times failed to affect lifespan in some studies conducted in flies and mice. So why does resveratrol increase the lifespan of certain organisms and not others? We don't really know. So does it improve the lifespan of humans, though? But no one has conducted this difficult clinical trial yet. Some positive studies that... Others have highlighted include mouse studies where the mice were fed an unhealthy, high-sugar, high-fat diet. And resveratrol treatment in the mice fed a high-calorie diet consistently improved various health parameters, including measures of blood glucose, blood insulin, metabolic health, endurance, and survival, 
compared to the mice fed the unhealthy diet without resveratrol. So it seemed to be protective against the negative effects of an unhealthy diet. This was shown, for example, by Barr in 2006, Lagouge in 2006, Pearson in 2008, and Sun in 2007. They all showed similar effects. Resveratrol therefore seemed to mimic the effects of calorie restriction or eating fewer calories in rodents. So a lot of interest has gathered around resveratrol and how it may have the same benefits of reducing calorie intake without actually having to reduce calorie intake. But even though the animal data looks promising for promoting health and lifespan in other organisms, I think it is important for us to focus on the human data because after all, not everything that shows promise in animals translates to the human context. Timmers in the journal Cell Metabolism in 2011 conducted a pilot clinical trial that gained a lot of attention in regard to the potential health benefits of resveratrol. The scientists recruited 11 healthy men living with obesity, so it was a small study. The men were asked to take either a placebo or 150 milligrams of pure transresveratrol under the name Resveda. They were to take this every day for 30 days. Then the men crossed over to the other treatment after 30 days. So all men received the placebo and resveratrol. So they compared the measurements during resveratrol to placebo. The scientists of this study conducted very in-depth analyses that included measuring many molecules in the blood, assessing their metabolic rate, measuring genes and proteins in the muscle that are involved in longevity, successful aging, and energy metabolism. Now, very interestingly, they noted after 30 days of resveratrol intake, the participants exhibited improvements in markers of diabetes, such as insulin, HOMA index, and triglyceride levels. They also exhibited improvements in markers of inflammation, such as leukocytes, interleukins, and TNF-alpha. Improvements in systolic blood pressure by 5 millimeters of mercury were also noted. They also noted an improvement in markers of mitochondrial functioning, which is important because our mitochondria generate energy for us, and they tend to become less efficient with disease and age. They also saw an increase in activated AMPK, SIRT1, and PGC1-alpha protein levels, which is thought to be beneficial, as these are important markers of longevity, lifespan, and cell health. Interestingly, they noted a reduction in the individual's metabolism during sleep hours when taking resveratrol. Specifically, a reduction by 2% was noted in the sleeping metabolic rate. Now, this is a small improvement, but this is consistent with calorie restriction, as cutting down on calorie intake reduces metabolism during sleep by on average 6%. So this small but very in-depth clinical trial showed great promise for adding 150 milligrams of resveratrol per day to increasing measures or improving measures of metabolic health and perhaps markers of longevity. However, here's where the data starts to conflict. Polson in the journal Diabetes in 2013 conducted a very similar clinical trial but with 24 healthy men that were also obese. The difference largely is the dose of resveratrol. Here, the scientists gave much higher amounts of a total of 1,500 milligrams as they took 500 milligrams of transresveratrol three times a day. In the previous pilot study, the men took only 150 milligrams a day, so 10% that of this dose. The study was very well designed and used great methodology here. For example, they used hyperinsulinemic euglycemic clamps to assess insulin sensitivity as a marker for diabetes risk. Now, this is a gold standard for assessing insulin sensitivity. 
The scientists were not able to replicate any of the benefits of that previous study I just mentioned. There were no beneficial changes versus placebo for blood glucose, insulin, markers of inflammation, metabolic rate, mitochondrial function, or blood pressure. They also looked at a marker of the SIRT1 protein by measuring SIRT1-mediated deacetylase activity, which also unfortunately was not affected with resveratrol. So, one clinical trial shows benefit and the other doesn't. The question is why? Well, perhaps as I mentioned before, it could be dose. Maybe the lower dose is better, 150 milligrams versus 1500 milligrams. Well, perhaps if we look at some other experiments that are not clinical, you know, animal studies or, or ex vivo studies, perhaps this can provide more information as to why we see a benefit and sometimes not. There are quite a few ex vivo studies, meaning that tissue has been taken from humans, either, for example, their fat cells or during a surgery, some endothelial cells may have, be ta- may have been taken. And the scientists will take this tissue and, and culture it in cell culture. And scientists have shown that adding resveratrol to this tissue can have a beneficial effect on SIRT1 activity and expression in the tissue, in the cell culture. However, many would argue that because resveratrol is very rapidly metabolized to its glucuronidated products, that testing these metabolites is more important and logical than testing the resveratrol itself, because resveratrol is metabolized so quickly and doesn't stay around for very long. For example, Wenzel in 2005 reported that resveratrol is absorbed readily if taken by mouth. However, it is very quickly metabolized to other molecules in the blood or is further excreted in the urine. Then this suggests that any cell culture experiments that looked at the immediate effects of resveratrol itself are not very useful for understanding the impact in humans or animals because resveratrol does not stay in its resveratrol form for very long in the body. So the metabolites of resveratrol should be studied in cell culture instead. So it's hard to really take the results of those ex vivo studies and be able to translate them to humans, unfortunately. Now, because resveratrol exhibits some antioxidant capacity, it has been looked at in its ability to reduce inflammation and oxidative stress, such as in autoimmune conditions. Ligia di Brito Olivieri, that's a really long last name, that's just their last name, in the journal Nutrients in 2017, compiled together studies that looked at the effects of resveratrol on autoimmune diseases such as rheumatoid arthritis, type 1 diabetes, psoriasis, inflammatory bowel disease, and lupus. Now, autoimmune diseases, unfortunately, are the result of an imbalance of the immune system. The immune system has observed something natural in our body as foreign and dangerous, and as a result, our immune system starts to attack our own cells. Because the immune system can work through inflammation, there is a lot of inflammation in autoimmune conditions. So, for example, resveratrol has been looked at in some of these conditions because of its antioxidant capacity. For example, in a rodent model of type 1 diabetes, mice that were fed garlic or resveratrol showed some great benefit. Specifically, the mice were fed 250 milligrams of garlic per kilogram of body weight every day for four weeks, or were fed 25 milligrams per kilogram body weight every day of resveratrol for four weeks. The resveratrol or garlic significantly improved blood glucose levels, measures of inflammation, antioxidant capacity, and measures of the health of their pancreatic beta islet cells. Interestingly, garlic appeared to be better than resveratrol in this study, and I did an episode on the health benefits of garlic back in episode 32 if you want to give that a listen. 
So since we are on the topic of diabetes, let's dive into a few clinical trials looking at the effects of resveratrol in humans living with type 2 diabetes, which has been studied far more than type 1 in the context of resveratrol. Bahat in the journal Nutrition Research in 2012 recruited 62 individuals living with type 2 diabetes. Half the participants took their medication to lower blood glucose only, whereas the other half of the participants took their medications plus 250 milligrams of resveratrol every day for three months. The scientists noted a slight benefit of resveratrol to that long-term measurement of blood glucose, HbA1c, as the control group had an HbA1c of 9.99, whereas the resveratrol group had an HbA1c of 9.65, so slightly lower than the control group. The resveratrol group had a great improvement in blood pressure of 12 millimeters of mercury, which is quite substantial. In my opinion, the blood pressure improvement was the greatest benefit in this trial. Total cholesterol levels also decreased. However, there were no significant differences overall to good cholesterol, bad cholesterol, or triglycerides. Brasnio in the British Journal of Nutrition in 2011 conducted a pilot study in 19 individuals living with type 2 diabetes. Half the participants took 5 milligrams of resveratrol twice a day and the other half took a placebo. This is actually the lowest dose of resveratrol I've seen at 5 milligrams. After four weeks of resveratrol, it reduced insulin resistance and increased the active form of a protein in the form of phospho-AKT in their platelets, which is seen as a beneficial measure for cell health and longevity. There was a slight improvement in one marker of oxidative stress in the urine. So in this small study, in those living with type 2 diabetes, it appears that low-dose resveratrol can have some benefit against diabetes progression, oxidative stress, and may increase a marker of longevity. However, Thaz Hath in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition in 2015 conducted a controlled crossover study in 14 individuals with type 2 diabetes and were either given a much higher dose of 1 gram of resveratrol a day or placebo for 5 weeks. The scientists noted that this high dose had, unfortunately, no benefit on measures of diabetes or blood glucose regulation. So again, it appears that higher doses may not have benefit. It may be the lower doses that are more beneficial in the context of diabetes. So the next study aimed to compare low-dose versus high-dose resveratrol. Boeing colleagues in pharmacological research in 2016 conducted a really well-designed study in 192 individuals with type 2 diabetes. Now, there were three groups. Lower dose of resveratrol at 40 mg a day, higher dose at 500 mg a day, or placebo every day for six months. Unfortunately, the scientists saw no benefit for measures of diabetes such as glucose, insulin, HbA1c, They saw no benefit for waist circumference, body weight, or an inflammatory marker IL-6. If anything, they saw a slight trend for resveratrol to reduce levels of chronic inflammation, as indicated by C-reactive protein. As the 40 mg dose of resveratrol reduced C-reactive protein by 5.6%, and the higher dose of resveratrol reduced C-reactive protein by nearly 16%. Current cigarette smokers seem to respond the best to resveratrol for reducing inflammation. That's likely because cigarette smoking can raise levels of oxidative stress and inflammation and perhaps placed these individuals at higher levels to begin with, so they were more likely to see a benefit. Fasting triglycerides and total cholesterol actually increased slightly in the group with the highest dose of resveratrol. So, if anything, the resveratrol perhaps had a benefit against 
and chronic inflammation in this study. So for every study that shows a benefit for diabetes and blood sugar regulation, there is a study that shows no benefit. And I wish the data were more clear, but that is the results for you. Now let's jump into into the effect of resveratrol on heart health. Fugachi in the journal Critical Reviews in Food Science and Nutrition in 2019 conducted a review on the effects of resveratrol on blood pressure. After combining together 19 clinical trials, the authors concluded that resveratrol does not seem to significantly impact blood pressure. It seems to reduce systolic blood pressure by about 2.5 millimeters of mercury on average, which is not a very big impact. However, in the scenario of doses at or above 300 milligrams a day, and in individuals living with diabetes, there does seem to be benefit on blood pressure of about a reduction of 9 millimeters of mercury with resveratrol. And 9 millimeters of mercury is fairly substantial to improve blood pressure. So for blood pressure, resveratrol may only have benefit at doses above 300 milligrams and in those with diabetes. Hag high at deuced. Oh my god, these last names are gonna are going to get the better of me today. Hi Hag at deuced in pharmacological research in 2018 combined together 21 clinical trials that investigated the effects of resveratrol on cholesterol levels. The scientists concluded no significant effect on blood cholesterol levels or triglyceride levels when looking at all those clinical trials. Where I think the data may be more promising is in regard to blood vessel functioning and blood vessel health. For example, in four different clinical trials with doses of resveratrol ranging from 75 to 300 milligrams a day in individuals living with different conditions, either healthy with no conditions, living with type 2 diabetes, or in those living with hypertension, which is chronic high blood pressure, or in those living with metabolic syndrome, which is characterized by obesity, large waist circumference, and increased risk factors for diabetes and heart disease. In all these populations, resveratrol improved their blood vessel health, which is very important in regard to reducing risk for heart disease. For example, a scientist noted that resveratrol supplementation had benefits in reducing arterial stiffness, it improved flow-mediated dilation, and improved endothelial function of their blood vessels. Another study by Magar in 2012 recruited 40 individuals that previously had a heart attack and gave them low-dose resveratrol of 10 milligrams a day for three months. The scientists noted an improvement in their blood vessel dilation and function. Animal studies also support this with great benefits seen in heart failure and heart attack, such as improved heart function and morphology in these animal models of heart disease. So resveratrol may have a benefit in regard to reducing the risk of heart disease. And I would say that resveratrol has been studied quite extensively in the context of heart disease because of the context of the French paradox or the Mediterranean diet, where these diets or or a way of eating and living are associated with lower risk of heart disease. And it was thought that because of the red wine, perhaps the presence of resveratrol in red wine, that that could be associated with heart health benefits. And perhaps it's true, although, as I said earlier, the amount in red wine is quite low for resveratrol. But if resveratrol is able to promote blood vessel health, then this could explain why it may have benefit for heart disease. However, there have been no clinical trials to show that resveratrol can reduce heart attack, can reduce stroke, or indeed it has no impact on blood cholesterol levels. So I think 
the verdict may still be out in regard to looking at those hard endpoints. Now let's look at another condition. Because resveratrol is a potent antioxidant, it has been looked at in the context of cancer. For example, Berman in 2017 in the journal Precision Oncology wrote a great review on resveratrol. Overall, in animals, it appears that resveratrol may have similar effects to restricting calories as it sometimes exerts anti-inflammatory and antioxidant effects and may affect the initiation and progression of many diseases in animals. However, in regard to the clinical data in humans, clinical trials show that resveratrol was well tolerated with no serious side effects and may beneficially influence some disease biomarkers. However, resveratrol has yet to show any effects for cancer risk, cancer remission, or cancer recurrence in humans. In fact, resveratrol had ambiguous and sometimes even detrimental effects in individuals living with certain types of cancer. For example, in patients living with multiple myeloma currently undergoing treatment for cancer, they also took some resveratrol and in fact exhibited a higher risk for kidney failure if they were taking the resveratrol. So the scientists in this paper and in that study caution individuals that are currently undergoing treatment for cancer from taking resveratrol. So the verdict is still out on the effects of resveratrol and cancer in humans. Now how about in regard to memory and mood? Well, Marks in the Journal of Nutrition Reviews conducted a meta-analysis that pulled together 10 clinical trials that looked at the effects of resveratrol on cognition and mood. Now, cognition means memory, information processing, and quick decision-making, for example. Now, cognition is particularly important in the context of dementia or performance enhancement. Now, overall in this meta-analysis, the scientists concluded that three studies showed resveratrol had a benefit, Two studies had mixed results, and five studies showed no benefit. Now, when they pooled the results together, it appeared that resveratrol had the greatest improvement in regard to negative mood. Many, many animal studies show a benefit of resveratrol in different models of depression, in mice and in rats. However, when it comes to the clinical data, there was only one study I could find. And this one study was conducted in 60 women with menopause. And they investigated the effects of fermented soy and 25 milligrams of resveratrol daily for 12 weeks on symptoms of menopause as well as their mood. And they had noted that in the women taking resveratrol and soy, that there was a huge benefit of 94% improvement on the Hamilton rating scale for depression. However, unfortunately, we can't conclude if it was actually due to the resveratrol or if it was due to the soy here, as the women received both. But considering that one of the factors considered in the development and progression of depression is inflammation, it is possible that resveratrol had a beneficial effect on mood due to its antioxidant properties. But hopefully more clinical trials will be conducted on resveratrol and depression. Now in line with inflammation, some autoimmune diseases characterized by high amounts of inflammation have been investigated in the context of resveratrol. For example, in rheumatoid arthritis, Many animal studies show benefit for reducing inflammation, oxidative stress, and an improvement of joint and bone health when resveratrol is added to the diet. However, these results have yet to be extended to humans in clinical trials, unfortunately. Another inflammatory condition, psoriasis, again has been studied in the context of a couple of animal studies, and resveratrol did show a benefit to skin health and reduced skin inflammation. However, again, this has yet to be translated to humans. 
Lastly, the last condition I will bring up is Alzheimer's and dementia. Turner in the journal Neurology in 2015 recruited 119 subjects with mild to moderate Alzheimer's. Now this was a very well-designed study because it was a one-year trial and the 119 subjects were randomly assigned to either receive daily resveratrol or placebo. The dose of resveratrol was high. They started the participants off at 500 milligrams a day, then increased the dose every 13 weeks by 500 milligrams to have a 2,000 milligram dose a day by the end of the one-year trial. Now, the scientists measured measures of memory, cognition, and physiology readouts, such as amyloid beta levels, insulin signaling, and tau proteins, which are important molecules in the progression and development of Alzheimer's. Now, the scientists noted that A-beta-40 in the cerebral spinal fluid and plasma declined more in the placebo group than the resveratrol-treated group, resulting in a significant difference by week 52. Now, brain volume loss was increased by resveratrol treatment compared to placebo, which is a bit concerning. Now, the scientists found no effects on plasma, alpha-beta-4, A-beta-40, CSF levels, or CSF levels of tau or phosphotau. There were no effect of hippocampal volume, entorhinal cortex thickness, no impact, unfortunately, on measures of memory, cognition, or glucose or insulin metabolism in, in these individuals. So the scientists state the results must be interpreted with caution. They state that in previous studies, brain volume loss has been noted without any changes to their cognition. So at this age, it's unfortunately unknown the impact of brain volume loss. However, what we can say is that a one-year trial with high-dose resveratrol is quite substantial and a well-designed study. If it showed no benefit to the important endpoints like memory and cognition, which are the endpoints that really matter, then in my personal opinion, resveratrol doesn't seem to have an effect in this context of Alzheimer's, unfortunately. So that is a wrap, my people, scientist army. I wish that this episode was more clear-cut and more optimistic, but that is the science. And unfortunately, I can't make the science up for you. And I won't give the science to you with rosy-colored glasses, and I won't share only the positive data. I will tell you the truth, whether it is positive or negative. So overall, in summary, the animal data is very positive in regard to resveratrol promoting health and metabolism, especially when the mice are eating an unhealthy diet and also taking resveratrol, as it seems to negate the effects of the unhealthy diet. In worms and in animals, resveratrol also appears to promote lifespan. It can reduce diabetes, reduce inflammation, depression, and heart failure in rodent models. However, when it comes to the clinical data, the results are less clear. Some small pilot studies show that resveratrol may increase proteins involved in longevity, that it may increase mitochondrial number, and improve insulin sensitivity. However, there are contradictory results in that resveratrol has no impact on these measures sometimes. Resveratrol sometimes improves inflammation, blood sugar levels, blood pressure, and mood, but only in some studies and not in others. Overall, I would say that the data more so supports the benefits of resveratrol for blood vessel health in humans and for reducing blood pressure in those with diabetes. In the end, I think we just need more large clinical trials looking at hard, important endpoints in humans like lifespan, risk of heart attack, cancer remission, quality of life, pain, measures of depression, mood, and memory. 
because in the end, these are the parameters that matter. Let me give you an example of why this is important. I spoke about this in a previous episode called Vitamin Mini Series on Vitamin B3 Niacin, how it can be misleading to put so much weight on an intervention improving a risk factor or marker instead of hard endpoints like heart attack or lifespan. As a few decades back, it was realized that very high doses of the B vitamin niacin was thought to be the cure-all to heart disease, as it dramatically lowers LDL bad cholesterol and increases HDL good cholesterol. However, when the large clinical trials looking at the hard endpoints were conducted, there were no benefits to lifespan, no benefit to heart attack incident, and no benefit to stroke incidents. The reason being is niacin, yes, it increases good cholesterol, but at the same time, it makes the good cholesterol less functional and less effective, therefore not benefiting heart disease risk. So just because something increases good cholesterol, it does not mean it will have a benefit to heart disease. That is why I'm emphasizing the importance of looking at resveratrol in the context of these harder endpoints. But the reality is these types of clinical trials looking at the hard endpoints of incidents of heart, heart attack, cancer incidents, cancer recurrence, lifespan, etc. These type of clinical trials are longer and harder to conduct and as a result are more expensive. And the reality is that is why they haven't been done yet. But in the end, it is up to you to do with this information what you will. In summary, resveratrol sometimes has benefit on markers of health and longevity in humans but not always. I hope you all have a super healthy week. And if you have been listening along with me for the past year, then thank you for coming down this science rabbit hole with me for the last year. I look forward to another year of sharing science with all of you. I hope you all have a wonderful week and I will meet you back here the same time and the same place next week on the People Scientist Podcast. Bye for now. I am a scientist simply sharing scientific evidence. Some of the clinical interventions I discuss are not appropriate for everyone. Before making any changes to your diet or lifestyle, please do consult the advice of your physician or dietitian. My opinions expressed here do not necessarily reflect those of Mount Sinai Hospital and its affiliates.